Hello and welcome to Silver Age, Silver Screen, a podcast where we watch, discuss, and review sci-fi, cult, superhero, and other stereotypically geeky films. I'm your co-host, Casey Jarms. And I'm your other co-host, Riley Thorpe. You know what, Riley? Yeah? I gotta give him credit. This movie, it is nothing like the original cut that came out in 2017. This Justice League movie is just completely different yeah. in every way. Yeah, yeah. I'm really surprised that they recast Ezra Miller is the big thing. Well, I mean, he did kind of attack a woman while he was high on drugs. Wait, shit, shit, stop, stop, pause the bit. Wait, seriously? Yeah, this was before quarantine, like, I, I want to say, like, 2019. Someone was taking a video, and he was all fucked up on drugs, and this fan, this woman who was a fan of his, walks up to him, and he's like, oh, you want to go? And he, like, grabs her by the neck and tackles her to the ground. Yeah, you see, I was making a joke about the fact that we're watching Justice League, but not that one, but not that other one. But okay, well, that's a downer opening to this episode. I mean, I think it's pretty Fuck. funny. We're watching Justice League of America, the TV movie from 1997. Oh, yeah. With no Ezra Miller, no mustaches, no fat fleck or whatever they sad fleck, whatever they called Ben Affleck, that poor, poor, poor man who's sent to rehab. For substance abuse oh. sometime later. Oh, God, should we restart? This is the most downer opening ever. Nah, this is cool. I'm having a good time. I don't know what that says about me as a person, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord, yeah, 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 yeah. I know you're bit. So this film, it was a pilot movie for Justice League of America TV show. It was made in the 90s very poorly, I might add. I mean, let's be real. Most of the CW shows, the special effects and CGI are shit. And that's like being made today. This was like 25 years ago. Honestly, this movie made me look back fondly on CW superhero shows, and I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> you know, it's actually interesting. This film was never broadcast in the US. Mm -hmm. It was broadcast once in the UK and that's it. Never released again. We watched this off a bootleg that we found that has the Channel 5 logo permanently burned into the corner of the screen. Because for some reason, CBS doesn't want people to know that this phenomenal film exists. I know. I mean, how could you not love it? It has all of your favorite Justice League members like Superman, Batman, Wonder oh. Woman, Aquaman. Oh, wait. No. No, it doesn't. Instead, this team is comprised of Guy Gardner, Green Lantern, Barry Allen, The Flash, kind of, Ray Palmer, The Atom, some new person named Fire, and then some annoying woman named Tori. And then a special cameo coming soon. Who could it be? I don't know. I yeah, knew. I knew we were in. I should say, in this film's defense, yeah, no, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, but... This film is taking heavy inspiration, not from Justice League of America, the comic, but from Justice League International, a sister team, which tends to be more wacky and comedic and lower stakes than mainline Justice League stuff. Which is a good idea if you're trying to launch this into a superhero sitcom. Like Guy Gardner, Fire and Ice, those are from that team. But they're not the Justice League International, they're 
the Justice League. That's the problem. I mean, it's just a naming problem. Really, this isn't the worst idea. Like, I would be down for a Justice League International movie. Besides this one, because this one wasn't very good. Right, I mean, around this time, there were Superman TV shows running. There was one like, what was it called? There was Lois and Clark, and there was Smallville, and... Yeah, Smallville came out a couple years later. Show years earlier. And there's a new one now. Yeah, yeah. Superman and Lois, right? I don't know. We don't watch the CW because it's trash. Anyway. We don't watch it because I've... I have many thoughts on CW TV show. It's a whole thing for another video. Mm-hmm. So this film's opening is very odd. It starts with the mockumentary interview. Like, cut throughout this film are, like, mockumentary interviews with the Justice League. And you're like, oh, there are sitcoms that have used that appropriately. But no, no, no. These mockumentary interviews, they aren't, like... So you get an inner monologue of what the character's thinking in the scene, like in The Office or Parks and Rec. These are weird little scenes taking place after the film that don't really relate to the plot at all. It just keeps cutting to these weird interview scenes that are trying to be comedic, but aren't, which is really the defining feature of this film, trying to be funny and failing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the editing in this movie is complete and utter trash and it's made very evident by the first shot of when they're interviewing a meteorologist by the name of Tori Olaf's daughter whose last name is never mentioned besides that because what the fuck kind of last name is Olaf's daughter well side note again interjecting my comics knowledge in the comics she's from Iceland and that's like an Icelandic name I'm sure they made fire and ice American in this because I don't know. They made it Justice League of America. Also, does the name Olaf have some sort of ice connotation? Because the movie Frozen has ruined that name. Because, haha, <laughs> the girl with ice powers, her name is Olaf's daughter. Like in the Disney movie. It is Old Norse for Ancestor's Relic. Wow, I would have thought that it meant Daughter of Olaf. Or at least Olaf. That's what Olaf's name. Oh, uh, let see, me see, see. Uh, Olaf's daughter name meaning. <laughs> okay. See, we were on different wavelengths. Olaf's daughter means daughter of Olaf. Oh, yeah, I know. I got the joke. This interview is like, so, Tori, what? I forget the exact line, which is a shame. I should have written it down because it was really, really awkward. Yeah. But, hey, Tori, you're a superhero now. Yeah, I, like, I, 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 I would, I, I wouldn't have thought that I would have ever be a superhero. It's so weird. This movie, it tries to be, like, a very comedic and funny, wacky, silly sitcom, but it just fails so hard. Can we talk for a minute about Tori? She, she's awkward in the way that bad TV has characters be awkward in that she can't say a sentence. Right. Just constantly cutting herself off and stumbling. Like, get a new trope, Hollywood. She was just unbearable as a main character, as a character in general. And yet she's, for the most part, center stage. Well, it's weird because this film, it's going for the feel of a TV show pilot because it's a TV show pilot. That was a weirdly phrased sentence. Yeah. But like all the Justice League members have their own subplots 
And, like, the other ones, they cross over, and then it cuts to Tori just doing her own thing, being awkward, given that A-rank performance. In the interview, she tells everyone that she is now a superhero, which, like you mentioned earlier, before I continue on, I know we keep coming back to this one, but that's such a stupid trope of, like, oh, the film begins... At the end? Okay, so now all the tension is drained from it. It's just a bad storytelling device. That's A. And then after that, cuts to a very, very low-budget 90s title sequence where the city, what was it? Metro City. Metro City, yes, that's it. Where Metro City goes from a bright, shiny day. It's New Metro. I was confused because it's like one of three cities in all of D.C. canon that isn't Noun City. Yeah. Which is a dumb thing they do. Mm -hmm. So we see the city being overcome with stormy clouds and bad weather and shit like that to the point of becoming dangerous. It cuts to Tori where she works at her job as a meteorologist. But the very first interaction we have with any characters after the title sequence is between one of Tori's co-workers and her boss. And immediately, as soon as this happened, I wrote down on my notes here, I said, the bald guy is going to be the villain. I just know it. I mean, yeah. During this massive, strange hurricane that's hitting the city that the Justice League have to stop, Tori and her boss go out to, like, observe it, and he's like, If only we could harness the power of the storms. We could power all of America with a single hurricane. We could power the entire world with two. Which, no, that that scaling is very off. Really not how that works. America to the entire world. But yeah, this guy's the bad guy. And they try and set up a red herring with like Arliss. The co-worker. But no, it's so obvious that... Dr. Eno is the bad guy, that he's the weatherman. Not the weather wizard, I might add. He's not the actual character that exists in the comics. He's the weatherman, which is so much lamer. And also, he's hilariously unthreatening throughout the film. And we'll get to that. But yeah, big old storm destroying the city. Oh no, quick. The Justice League shows up to save the day. Well, save the day is... It's a big word. Green Lantern saves one kid. Flash arguably does the most, which is crazy because in this movie, he is a fucking idiot. Oh, God. Here are the characters they set up. Barry Allen is an unemployed douchebag dumbass who's down on his luck. He's just got kicked out of his apartment. He's just a loser, which is bullshit because in the comics, Barry Allen is one of the most intelligent people in this team. He's a forensic scientist for the Central City Police Department. He's a very smart, capable hero, but in this one, he's like the comic relief, um, stupid guy. Joey without the charm. Right, exactly. Then it cuts to Guy Gardner, who sings to his girlfriend in the restaurant, which... That is not at all Guy Gardner. I don't know much about Guy Gardner's character, but that's not him. That's a shame. Like, Guy Gardner has probably one of the strongest, most distinct personalities of Justice League members. He's an angry dick. He's hard-headed. He's rough around the edges. He's a good person, but he's hard to like. And he's just kind of generic in this. Yeah, yeah. I got the feeling, personally, that it was Guy Gardner in name and powers only. Everything else, they were portraying him as Superman. Just the guy who was having a lot of girlfriend troubles, 
kind of generic, always does the right thing, kind of in a way the most level-headed person in the entire team. Yeah. I, I got the feeling that this isn't Guy Gardner. That's more of a Superman archetype. I mean, that would work if it was Hal Jordan, I guess. Right, exactly. Not Guy Gardner. Why you gotta be Guy Gardner if you're not gonna have him be Guy Gardner? If you're not gonna give him red hair, at least. I mean, come on. Right, right. Also on the team is the Adam who, like you said, this film is just making all these characters absolute losers. He's not a physicist. He's a science teacher who... When the disaster starts, he just runs out of his classroom and, like, puts one of the students in charge. And I'm pretty sure that would have gotten fired in real life. Just saying. Exactly. We learn all of this in the first three minutes, by the way. Yeah, it is actually a effective opening. I don't know if that's the word. The storm starts, then it cuts to all the Justice League members in their personal lives, and they have to run off to save the day. The other superhero on the team, Fire, who is a woman named B, is a struggling actress applying to a fruit commercial. That's kind of her character until she meets Martin, and we will get to that guy in a while. In oh, a God, time. Martin. And you know what? Can I say something in this film's defense? Yeah. I think it had an idea of what to do. Like, this opening scene of them all having to, like, ditch things to go run save the day. Fire has to leave an audition. Green Lantern has to ditch his girlfriend. Like, this film, at least tries to be about struggling to juggle the responsibilities of being a superhero. And that's not a bad idea for a TV movie about the Justice League. I mean, it yeah. comes at the expense of making them all losers, but having them try to struggle with having a secret identity, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, no, not at all. And, I mean, them saving the day in the beginning, it's... Very lame. Green yes. Lantern catches a single light pull. The Atom walks under a porch to get a cat. The Flash actually being like the Flash runs around a tornado fast enough to dispel it. He's the only cool member of the team in that scene. But I mean, I do like that it's them going out and saving people. Like, if this film was more competently made, them having to choose between saving people and having lives, that could be interesting. Yeah. It isn't, because this film never does anything with it, and also every single part of it is horrendously lame, but there was a framework that could have been built off of. I mean, we're introduced to the villain, the weatherman, by all the storm starts raging on and Tori's boss, or one of Tori's, someone Tori works with, I don't remember, honestly. I watched this movie last night, I don't really remember, but <laughs> You she... have a very, dude, you should go to a doctor, that's a very short memory. No, I'm pretty sure it was either her boss or her co-worker. One of the two. One of the two people who are like, ooh, who's the villain gonna be? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was the boss. He turned on the TV to reveal just on the screen, out of nowhere, there's this guy wearing sunglasses and a face mask and shit, and he was covering his face in a big silver background and shit, basically saying, I'm the weatherman. The wind's outside gonna go up to 200 miles an hour, and I'm gonna kill the entire city if you don't give me $20 million. And then the boss just turns off the TV like, yeah, whatever. No one reacts to it. That's the villain we're introduced to. Yeah, can we talk about the costumes? The weatherman obviously has an awful, awful costume, but like, none of them have good costumes. Oh my god, no. Flash and Adam are 
cheesy but passable. I mean, they're low quality and have some weird design choices, but they're passable. But fire is green. Like, as opposed to in the comics where she turns into a living mass of green fire, which is cool. But, I mean, it would have been hard to do on this film's presumably low budget. She just has a little bit of green mascara as her disguise. And (laughs) Green Lantern, I can't get over this. He's not green! He's the cyan lantern, the azure, the teal lantern, the seafoam lantern. How bad do you mess up making your costumes that Green Lantern is not green? Like, I hated Flash. I know you said you you, you kind of liked them. Flash and I, Adam. I said they were better than Mascara and Blue Lantern. Like, Flash has this weird unibrow and... Adam looks like he's wearing armor. It's weird. It makes Flash and Adam look fat when they're wearing it. And then, yeah, Fire, she's just wearing spandex, which is okay. But, yeah, she's just got a little bit of mascara under her eyes. And Green Lantern is wearing this really, really awkward leather fucking yoga mat material shit. Blue, cyan, teal colored bodysuit. And it just looks like shit. Also, it's a minor thing. She doesn't suit up until the end of the movie when they're, like, running into the camera for some reason. But Ice, the new member to the Justice League, she doesn't wear a mask either. Secret identities, people. What the hell? The costumes are shit, okay? The Justice League barely do anything to help people. I mean, the Flash gets rid of the tornado, but apart from that, nah. And then we get into just the Justice League dealing with their personal life problems. Flash is trying to find a job and keeps getting fired. (laughs) He's homeless now and he wants to live with the Justice League. Actually, after they save the city and they're all walking away, he's like, Hey, I'm homeless now. Can I live with you? And the other Justice League members just walk away. We're like the jerk League. Am I right? You are right. But Adam does let him move in later. Because Adam is nice, Casey. Because Adam is nice. Oh, God. We talked about how Tori is just this generic, like, (laughs) awkward, can't say a sentence. The Adam is the most stereotypical nerd ever. Mm -hmm. And he isn't really in the comics. They gave him, like, glasses and, like, frizzy hair. The whole film is basically mocking him for being a loser. Like, he never even gets a chance to do anything cool. He's just like, aw, I suck because I'm the Adam. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, yes, I completely agree with that. But you want to know the saddest part about this movie? I think Adam is probably my favorite character in this movie. That's unfortunate. There's one genuinely good actor in this, and I will get to him when we get to him. But yeah, Adam's good by comparison. Let's see what else is going on. Guy Gardner's girlfriend's gonna dump him because he keeps running away in the middle of dates. And that means he's afraid of commitment. He could just tell her his secret identity because, let's be honest, these secret identities aren't very good anyway. No. Oh, and fire! Let's talk about fire. She goes back to the audition, but, well, it's all over. But it's okay, because one of the casting people is still there. A casting guy named Martin, who's... Do they ever say how old Martin is? Like, she says, geez, what are you, 16? And he's like, no, no, I'm the same age you are. No, you are not. Like, he's just this 
teenager who has a crush on fire and is weirdly wealthy. From what I recall, she asked him, like, how old he is, and he goes, oh, I'm 22. And she says, no, the hell you are not. Yeah. And then he's like, well, you're only as old as you feel you are, and right now, I'm feeling 22, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, God. The subplot is that there's this weird twerp that's in love with fire and she like rejects him at first but then he later on in the movie gives her expensive gifts so she's like "Eh, i'll date him for a while which is kind of shallow whatever yeah she's being stalked by a teenager yes he's a stalker and then she likes it this dude is a stalker he like steals her headshot resume thing from the acting place uses it to track her down calls under a fake name pretending to be a famous director who wants to give her a part. Also, he can meet her again like, this dude's a goddamn creep! Yeah. And at the end of the movie, she's like, man, I wish I could find a guy like him but a bit older. Uh, you sure? I mean, he's nice, but also, he needs to respect your boundaries, B. Yeah. D. Her name in this is B.D. DaCosta as opposed to Beatrice DaCosta for some reason. I don't know. I don't know. It's fucked up. It's so creepy and cringy how she's being stalked by this guy, by this kid, and that eventually she, like, grows to like him. Like, that's straight up Stockholm Syndrome right there. And, you know, a lot of this movie is sitcom stuff. Like, the Flash moves in and he, like, makes everyone dinner. Oh, but then he eats all of it and, oops, the TV's broken. Let's have the Adam shrink down and go in. Oops, he got electrocuted. And none of it is funny. They're interesting ideas. The Flash, because he runs so fast, his metabolism is super high. So whenever he eats, he has to eat a shit ton of food. And Adam, I don't know, that's a pretty practical way of doing it. He's a science teacher. He just shrank down and he'll go into stuff and fix it. Like, that's kind of practical, but none of it's funny or clever in any way. I know. (sighs) This film, I laughed once, and I don't know if it's something that was a joke, and it's later on the movie, so I'll save that. But seriously... This is 86 minutes, or 81, like the bootleg we found was 81 minutes, but Wikipedia says 86 minutes, which makes me feel like, were we missing the last five minutes of this movie? Uh, it cut out the credits. Yeah, that's probably it. Whatever. The thing I is, mean, I, hi- this, I, I highly doubt that five It's an hour minutes. and a half pilot for a sitcom and it's just not funny it isn't even amusing in the way a lot of sitcoms are like i rarely laugh out loud at old sitcoms but at least i can like (laughs) that's a joke that had some thought to this this is just thoroughly mediocre yeah in every possible way it's just bad from there tori goes into the lab after being confronted by her co-worker, and he's, like, really creepy and weird about it. But she goes into the lab. She... What does she... Why does she kick the the machine again? I think she, like, bumps some... Because she's a clumsy idiot. She, like, bumps over some marbles, and, like, they go below the desk. So she, like, bends down to get them. And accidentally opens up the secret compartment with the cool science briefcase. And she opens it up, then spills water on it, And mist comes out, and that gives her superpowers, I guess. Gives her powers of ice. Convenient, huh? There's a hero called Fire, who has the power of fire. Now we're going to have a hero called Ice, and her power is ice. 
Yeah, it's great, fire right? Nice. They're usually a pair in the comics. Also, side note, this is a minor gripe I have with those characters. Fire and Ice are dumb names. Like, when they were originally introduced, their names were Ice Maiden and Green Fury, but nah, just Fire and Ice. Those are boring names. So, as Tori is going home after accidentally getting exposed to this weird mist that came out when she poured water on the machine, uh, whatever, she, like, sees a man, like, skateboard into a pond and he starts drowning. So she walks in to save him and all of the pond turns to ice, which, you know, probably should have killed that man. Right. Because the ice would have crushed him. He was in it and ice expense. Whatever. There's no way that that water is deeper than waist deep, you know? Yeah. I mean, when, when ice gets into it, she's just ankle deep in that. There's no way it just suddenly drops off like, oh, no, I'm going to drown. Like, that guy was fine. And that ice should have killed him. And it should have because yeah. he's an Also, idiot. when it happens, his reaction to this, it's wonderful. When the whole pond freezes around him, he just says, whoa, how'd that happen? Oh, boy, they hired the best actors for this thing. Oh, God. Gotta love the 90s sitcoms, am I right? So we get some more stuff of the Justice League just sitcoming, being losers. I tried to block out most of it, but there was just one minor thing that pissed me off. What's like that? Barry Allen, who's probably my favorite of the core seven. I really like Flash as a character. Yeah. He says, I can't hold down a job. You know, you guys are so much better than me. You're like smart and cool and stuff. I'm just fast. Oh, shut up, film! Let your character be cool. Yeah, exactly. Or at the very least, if you're going to have him be this loser, have it be funny. Or at least subvert it by have him actually be competent in superhero stuff. Flash is not just fast. I mean, this was very much so caught up in that weird late 90s trend where the heroes are just like the biggest dorks and nerds ever. And you know, it's weird. There are Justice League members who you could have done that with, like Plastic Man or <laughs> Booster Gold. But why the Flash? Exactly. Guy Gardner is sometimes used as the butt of a joke. But no, he's the cool one in this, and Flash is just a loser. Right. They had no idea how to handle their characters. This was also at a time where I feel like what a lot of people would do is, like, with a take a big video game, comic book, TV show, cartoon property, they're just like, all right, let's just take these characters' names, just the names, not the actual characters, and let's just put them in a random movie, you know, like the, the, the Super Mario Brothers movie, which we may or may not be reviewing in a few weeks. We will! Oh my god, Riley, I just realized the most horrible thing about this. This what? came out in 1997. Mm -hmm. Barry Allen was dead at the time. This was after he had this dramatic final stand against the Anti-Monitor that made him go down as one of the greatest DC heroes. Like, this film took a character who wasn't even part of the team in the comics at the time and wasn't part of the Justice League international team that it's taking inspiration for. They took a character who they really had no reason to take and made him a loser. Shit, why didn't they just do Wally West? Like, I mean, Wally West isn't a loser. He's very cool, but he is more laid-back, jokey, comedic than Barry Allen, generally. This movie was caught up in the whole trend they had in the 90s where they'd take 
like a video game comic book cartoon property and like take the names of the characters and put them in some random bullshit movie like Street Fighter, that Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. They took the names of the characters and put them in this weird like hostage situation movie. Like what the fuck? They took Mario, Luigi, Peach, Daisy from Super Mario and like made this weird world where this guy's trying to bring back the dinosaurs or some shit. I don't know. This was a few years later. But did you ever see the Doom movie starring The Rock? Uh, I did not, but I've heard well, of it. And I've it seen doesn't films. feature demons is all you need to know about how that adaptation, and that I think might be the biggest example of just, eh, whatever, it doesn't have to be accurate, it doesn't even have to be good, just like take the thing from the popular thing and eh, half-ass an adaptation. Exactly, that's exactly what this is. So the League figures out, hey, Tori, she has ice powers. She probably has something to do with the weatherman. Let's kidnap her. Like the Justice League, they kidnap her and bring her to their base so they can interrogate her. And it's very creepy. Yeah, then they don't just kidnap her. They straight up put like a surgical mask on her and like pump her full of... Chloroform. They chloroform her! Doesn't sound like the Justice League to me, but okay. Yeah, and then they put her in this weird spinning chair with a single light overhead and a voice with no body that we've seen starts interrogating her. And she's answering the questions like, oh, I, I had nothing to do with that. I, that wasn't me. And then she spins a couple more times and she's just knocked out. And they take her back home. She has a nightmare about freezing to death and then wakes up. And that's the end of that sequence. Yeah, also, during that scene, Adam starts to get a crush on her and like, Yeah, I think she's probably innocent and stuff. She's a good guy on our side. I'm smitten. It's awkward. So, the Justice League decide to go to a party that's happening at the Weather Institute so they can find out more. And we get this level 1 D&D party level stealth sequence of them just at the party being very, very incompetent. They're supposed to be undercover and Flash is like talking with the people. They're like, how's it going, bro? Looking for a job? Not looking to get anything tied down? You know, but uh, I don't know. You got any positions available? And they're walking away. He's like, all right, cool. Call me, man. I'm like, dude, you're supposed to be fucking stealthy. And then fucking guy runs into his girlfriend and she's with a new man. Okay, now that's happening. Fire pretends to be his girlfriend because they had a thing in the past. I feel like if they made this a show, there would have been that would they, won't they Ross and Rachel shit with them, which is my favorite trope. I especially love when it goes on for 10 years. Oh, actually, we skipped something because it was a pointless scene, but there was another attack from the weatherman where oh, he makes yeah. it hail and fire just melts all the ice. That's the thing about this movie. The weatherman sucks. Yeah. All of his schemes, like he creates this big disaster that one member of the Justice League easily stops. We've discussed it before. In a superhero team movie, you need to give all the team chance to shine. They don't need to be a team in this movie. They never work together to stop stuff because everything's so minor. But anyway, in that scene, Green Lantern had to run away to save the day, even though he didn't end up doing anything to save the day. And his girlfriend dumped him because of that. But during that scene... 
he talked to his girlfriend while in his Green Lantern costume. And I mean, the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie, it's not great, but I just have to quote it. You've seen him naked, you don't recognize him because he has his cheekbones covered? He has the same hair and voice and general body. And oh, Cheryl, Green Lantern's girlfriend gets a crush on Green Lantern. Ooh, love that trope. This movie is just dumb. It's so mediocre. By the way, back at the infiltration stuff, the Atom, like, sneaks under a door. He limbos under it, which is supposed to be funny. They literally play limbo music as he, like, wastes time going back and forth on this fucking laser. Like, dude, you're on a mission. Stop limboing. And he finds some files about the weatherman's plan that really don't amount to anything. And also shows it to Tori. And then he walks away. Yeah. And then it cuts to an interview of him going like, you know, sometimes when I grow back, sometimes my leg won't grow back with me. So it's like, so it's just really small. Then it cuts back to the scene. Like, what the fuck was that? It's shit like this that is edited in all the way through that it's just not done intelligently and it's not done comedically. It's just bad editing. So Tori ends up figuring out that her boss, the super suspicious guy, is the weatherman. And she tells it to the Justice League. So they're like, okay, cool. Let's go to our base. And they take her with them. And then we get, I'm going to be honest, this is the best part of the movie. They introduce her to the leader of the Justice League. John Johns, Martian Manhunter. Oh, yeah. Played by David Ogden Steers. You know, Winchester from M.A.S.H., and he is a great Martian Manhunter in the 10 seconds of screen time that he has. He's the best casting in this movie, and he's wasted. He doesn't even fight with them. He just chills in the base for most of the movie. Right, exactly. I mean, that's pretty much what Martian Manhunter did throughout the entirety of Justice League Unlimited, which, again, that's not an excuse. I hated that they Well, at least in that, they gave... Because he's managing a hundred different superheroes and sending them out. And this he's just like chilling in the base. In the climax, they run off to stop the weatherman and they're like, hey, John, want to come around? And he's like, nah. I will say, uh, David Ogden Steers, that's his name, correct? Yeah. He played Jumba Jukiba in literally all four Lilo and Stitch movies and the TV show. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, all of it. I actually looked that up. I'm like, did he seriously play in all of it? Yes, all of them. He was also Cogsworth, the clock in Beauty and the Beast, and the two or three straight-to-DVD movies. Oh, God, man, you're doing the straight-to-DVD stuff? You're an Emmy-winning actor. I don't know, man. Hey, paycheck's a paycheck, but I really did like him as Martian Manhunter. Before that, like I said, Adam was probably my favorite, but then Martian Manhunter came on screen. I'm like, I love Martian Manhunter. I think he's a fantastic character, and I love how he was portrayed in this to an extent, like his presence on screen and the acting prowess available and the makeup and special effects were really good too my problem was he's pretty overweight in this movie not sa- not saying that that that's a bad thing like it was fine for what they did with his character which was essentially nothing but i'm like watching it and i'm like oh cool it's a holy shit he's got a big belly <laughs> While we're talking about Martian Manhunter, it's worth noting he doesn't have any of his psychic powers in this. Nope. No, he just has the shape-shifting. Well, earlier in the movie, Tori met with her boss, the villain, Mm -hmm. 
that guy, he basically started like choking up and he left the room and we saw that his hand turned green. We're like, what the hell is that? And it turns out it's Martian Manhunter. He can transform into other people, but he can't do it for very long, he says. He can travel very quickly, which would either imply flying or super speed in some way or teleportation. I don't know, but it's never made clear. Literally, the only power that he has is that he's very intelligent, he's very durable, and he can shapeshift. All the other powers that he has that would be super cool, that would like make him such a cool character, no, just... Nope. Yeah. By the way, back to Martin, everyone's favorite character. He sees fire save the day in a news broadcast. By the way, the weatherman, he does like four evil things in this movie. Third one, they don't even show. They just talk about it afterwards. I guess they didn't have the budget. But like, fire saves the day, stops the weatherman. And Martin sees her in a news broadcast and she's wearing the earrings he got her. So like, oh, she's fire. How could anyone have figured that out? I mean, she wears such a convincing disguise. Yeah, I mean... It's mascara! Her disguise is mascara! And, like, he confronts Bibi about it, and she says, Oh, no, she's my friend, and I let her borrow my earrings. You're supposed to be an actress, Fire. That's not good acting. But it's okay, because Martian Manhunter shows up disguised as fire and like oh there are two of you well now i feel dumb yeah and then martian manhunter disguised as fire threatens him by like you calling me a liar no no ma'am because the last person that called me a liar and then she like ignites the chair on fire and it's like oh shit okay i mean that's that that's what martin gets for being a creep should have set him on fire, but you know. He sees two identical versions of this woman in front of him, and he's still like, oh, I guess you're unrelated. Like, he doesn't know they're shapeshifters, but if I was in that situation, I'm like, oh, fire's your identical twin sister, who's evil and just threatened to burn me alive. I mean, he probably deserved it because he's a creeper, but you know, what are you gonna do? That scene did kind of have the only funny joke Probably just because it was delivered by Martian Manhunter. Like, as they were leaving the rec center, wherever they were at, after threatening Martin, Martian Manhunter, as they were walking out, he was like, does this costume usually chafe your thighs? Or something to that effect. I don't know. I chuckled. It was the only time I laughed in this entire movie. The one thing I laughed at, and I think it might have been intended to be an intimidating line, which is worrying. But when the weatherman is announcing his final plan, he, like, is in front of a five-day forecast thing. Because he's a weatherman. Yeah. Not weather wizard. He's a weatherman. And he says, let's look at the five-day forecast. There won't be one. <laughs> <laughs> and then the screen is like a typical five-day forecast, but it's just got skulls. Oh my god, was that supposed to be intimidating? Honestly, at this movie, I can't even tell what they're trying and what they're just like, eh, fuck it, just do it. Yeah, and we're skipping a lot of, like, the sitcom stuff, but it's just so unremarkable is the thing. Yeah, basically, long story short, Barry Allen's down on his luck. Ray Palmer is nice. Fucking Tori's doing her thing. B is getting stalked. Guy Gardner is having girlfriend problems. That's it. That's most of this movie. And it's so boring, unremarkable. They're all losers. It's just so bad. Yeah, and again, 
You can have your heroes be losers if they get a chance to shine later on. Right. But they don't. They never do. They never fight as a team. Adam and Green Lantern never get a chance to do anything cool. They're losers. It's a film about a bunch of losers. It's not funny enough to be a comedy. It's not cool enough to be an action movie. It's not deep enough to be a drama. All you're left with is an endless sea of mediocrity. Exactly. And this is gonna end up being one of our shortest reviews ever because there's simply nothing of note in this movie. It's just dull. Yeah. I mean, all that happens throughout the rest of the movie is the weatherman, he confronts Tori, and then she just runs away from him because he's a pussy. She starts training more with the Justice League to control her powers, but she can't do it. Then the weatherman creates a giant tsunami that's going to destroy the city. Green Lantern tries to stop him, but can't. Ice freezes the wave. Ice freezes the wave and Flash saved a couple of kids. Yay. They convinced Tori to join the team after she saved the day, which again, like you said, only one member of the Justice League saved them. Fire said she's going to meet up with Martin. He wants to introduce her to his 16-year-old cheerleader girlfriend, which, ew. Either he genuinely is a teenager, which, that just makes this whole thing with Fire so much, or it means that he is as old as he's saying, and he's creeping on a teenager. It's too uncomfortable to think about for me. Flash gets a job at an orphanage because he saved all those kids. Adam and Tori go to lunch. And the weatherman is arrested, but he escapes. Which means that we'll see the weatherman again. No. No, we won't. Thank God this never went anywhere. Yeah, the team walked down an alleyway, dressed in their costumes. Cut to black. That's the end of the movie. And this never got picked up. Never went anywhere. This was the last of this. Thank God. Also, side note, because you mentioned the tidal wave. So this film, it features Weather Wizard. I mean, they call him the Weatherman. It's Weather Wizard as the villain. And his plans are he creates a tidal wave and he creates a tornado. The Flash stops by running around. And I'm just saying they like did the same thing with Weather Wizard on the CW show, which means that there are modern day superhero media taking inspiration from this. Yeah. I guess. Here's the thing. I understand that this was just a pilot to a TV show. So I can't 100% fault it for subplots that don't really go anywhere because they were planning on originally continuing it. I mean, I do feel like it does kind of have a nice wrap up at the end, but it's just not a good pilot. And there are a lot of TV shows that don't have good pilots. I mean, hell, Game of Thrones had a notoriously horrible pilot episode that they completely reshot for the actual series. But had this continued, I don't really see this getting much better, honestly. Just the quality of acting, the story, the writing, the editing, the way they just completely fucked over fans of these properties by completely misrepresenting the characters. It's all terrible. Like you keep saying, Casey, it's mediocre. This entire thing is just forgettable. It's not good in any way, but it's also not so bad that it's enjoyable, you know? It's just essentially nothing. And here's the thing. This is a TV pilot, and pilot movies, you can't judge them like movies. You have to judge them as episodes of a TV show. And you know, Riley, if this was the first episode of a TV show, would you keep watching? Uh, no. At the end of the day, that's all we can say about this movie. If I saw this pilot, 
I would not keep watching. Like I said, you can't really judge it based on these subplots that don't go anywhere because it was intended to be a show. You also, because it was the 90s, you can't exactly judge it on the special effects that haven't aged well either. And it was TV, so you can't really judge it on those merits. But on literally everything else, it's so terrible. You mentioned it earlier, Casey, Martian Manhunter not having any psychic powers in this. Like, one of my favorite things that they've ever done with Martian Manhunter was in the Justice League animated show where he, I don't know, he was looking for someone and he needed to like expand his powers to see wider range of places. And he does that, but for the rest of the episode, Martian Manhunter is like having this big existential crisis of like, there's so much pain in this world and I don't think I can stop it. But then by the end of that episode, doesn't he save a little girl from getting lost yeah. in the woods or something? He does. And two things. Number one, that's a really good episode of the Justice League animated series. That's a much better Justice League show. If you want a pilot movie, watch the pilot movie to that one. Yeah, yeah. It's very subpar, actually, considering how good that show got. But it's at least something you could watch. But anyway, yeah, that was a really good episode where he, like, found a little girl in the woods and learned humanity. And if I remember correctly, that episode, the bad guy was Amazo. And at the end, the way they defeated him is he goes up to Martian Manhunter and copies his mind powers. And now he can see everything and he learns empathy, which was really nice. Yeah, yeah. Also... Secondly, I'm 90% sure we've had this exact conversation before. Maybe not on the podcast, but we have had this conversation before. Oh yeah, I don't believe it's been on the podcast, but I'm sure you and I have talked about it. But the point is, that's a really simple, dramatic plot point that they could have done in this show. But no, we're too busy focusing on Adam doing the limbo. When he's trying to get top secret information to stop a supervillain from destroying the city. No, we're too busy focusing on the fact that fire is being stalked by a teenager. And then she grows to like it. A TV show, and obviously these days it would have to be a bigger budget show. But like, like a TV show with characters like this could have been so interesting. But they just took it in a direction that they had no means and no talent, arguably, to successfully make it in you know yeah what is a numeric value of how bad this is and i think i know what you're going to say uh honestly i think i'm gonna give it a four out of ten what yeah. <laughs> wait seriously yeah seriously yeah maybe you. maybe three and a half no 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 you can stick with that four yeah, no, it's just like for me, the acting isn't very good all around, but there were some moments where I was like, okay, that's that's okay. To me, the acting wasn't horrible, but it also wasn't great. I don't know, it has this campy kind of fun to it in a way, but like, it's just forgettable to me. A four is a forgettable. Yeah, I thought you were going to give this one, well, a one. I don't know. I don't think it's that horrible to deserve one. It's just, this movie's just nothing. So, like, the score I have written down is 3.5. I've been waiting for it! Finally! You like something more than I do! Well, I wouldn't say that. I just, I, I think I hate you it You dislike less. it less than I do! There you go. Yeah. <laughs> 3.75. This is one of the worst things we've ever reviewed, I think. Oh, yeah. It definitely is. But in my opinion, it's not nearly as bad as the Star Wars Holiday Special or... No, what's another but this really is tied movie? with the last 
Airbender, yeah, and it's only being out by Captain America 1990 in the Star Wars Holiday Special. And that's fair, because this movie, goddamn, was it bad. It wasn't good at all. It was just forgettable. Like, I'm not going to remember this movie. I mean, I've already started forgetting it, remember? I forgot whoever turned on the TV at the beginning. And it's been less than 24 hours. I don't know. This movie's just bad, forgettable. I'm really glad this didn't go anywhere. I don't know, something like that could have potential, but this was not it. Well, Riley, where can they find you? You can all find me on YouTube, at Riley Thorpe, where you can check out all of my horror comedy short films. And you can also find me on Instagram and TikTok, at Riley James Thorpe, all one word, where you can see all my content that I post out on there. You can all find me on Twitter at JarmsKCJARMESCASEY. You can also find basically everything I've ever done at CaseyJarms.wordpress.com. Also, go check out the video essay that I just released, hopefully. We record these two weeks in advance and it's not actually out yet. <laughs> but hopefully it'll be out by the time this comes out. Go check out the new video essay I made called my Hero Academia, Superheroes, and the Status Quo. It's different in tone from this show. It's a lot more serious, a lot less, haha, pretending to be dumb. Star Wars Holiday Special made me stop feeling emotions. It's genuine, serious discussion of superhero media, but I think it's really good. I put a lot of work into it, and you can go check that out. Just Google the title. We'll be back next week, assuming we don't... I don't know. I try to, at the end of each episode, call back to something dumb in the movie, but I, I don't know. Get threatened by a guy who can control the rain, who turns out to be just, sure. a, just a bald guy with a camera rig on him. I don't know. We'll be back next week, assuming we don't get stopped by a guy who controls the rain. And next week, we're going to be watching something that's hopefully better. Alien. Like yeah. the classic movie. About an alien. The Ridley Scott film from 1979, I want to say. God, it's that old? 1979, yes. Damn. This will also be the first horror movie we ever review. Yeah, yeah, right. That movie is horror. That and the thing. It's like, oh, these are classic sci-fi. They're really... Well, this is a whole rant about sci-fi. Sci-fi isn't really a genre, I don't think. Sci-fi is a loose collection of tropes there are sci-fi comedies like Guardians of the galaxy there's sci-fi horror like alien and the thing there's sci-fi action sci-fi fantasy which is double not genre sci-fi fantasy drama sci-fi fantasy comedy anyway the point is we're doing alien you know the one with the alien the xenomorph the very freudian stuff and the face huggers Yep. As always, I'm Casey Jarms. And I'm Riley Thorpe. And hey, it's just a movie. Don't lose your head about it. Especially not to a ladder, 